that uh, is so true, isn't it? Oh, how we need, how we need the Lord. And uh, thank you. Uh, it is good to be in church. Uh, I love church. Uh, so thankful for Valley Bible Baptist Church. So thankful for, for the people uh, that God has given, uh, given to us. It, it, it's so precious how the Lord just knits, knits your hearts together with people and. Uh, and, and we, need, we need the Lord, but we need each other as well, and such an important part uh, of our walk with the Lord. We, we will be tonight in Philippians chapter 2, and uh, one, of the, one of the great themes through the book of Philippians, we often think of Philippians as the book of joy, and there is a great emphasis upon joy, and we've kind of taken that approach as to as to, the, um, as to the means of, of the joy of the Lord, and so we've looked at it from that perspective. Uh, but you'll also find throughout this book this principle of being of one mind, of one accord, uh, of being a body in Christ, and it's a letter to a local church. And uh, Philippians chapter 2, as you find your place, if you're able to stand with us here tonight, Philippians chapter 2, want to read the first portion of this chapter this evening, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. It reads, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And uh, we've often looked at this passage and, and spoke that the way down is the way up. And it's the path of humility that leads to exaltation. And you read in verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so you'll see that principle set forth the way down or the way of humility is the way of glory or the way of exaltation. Now we're going to focus tonight on this thought here in verse number 5 where the Bible says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So we want to look tonight at the mind uh, of Christ in our relationships. And if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord for his help and his guidance. Father, uh, you've been good to us all day long. And Lord, here tonight as we come before you, this song we've been challenged by, Lord, I need you. And I sure do need you right now. Uh, Lord, I need you. As I preach, and Lord, we need you here tonight as we hear, as we listen. Uh, we need you this week. Uh, there are going to be things that we will be facing this week that, uh, Lord, we need your wisdom. Uh, we need your direction. We need your help. We need your guidance. Lord, we need you. 
Lord, help us tonight as uh, your word is opened. Uh, would you teach us? Would you help us? Would you give us truth that would make a difference in our life and our walk with you and our life and walk with each other? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're seated, just um, again, give a, a couple of uh, thoughts and review a couple of things. Uh, we, we uh, in chapter one, looked at um, uh, the need for joy despite our circumstances and uh, maintaining joy. Uh, through dif difficult circumstances of life, and uh, often it's difficult circumstances that will rob our joy. And uh, what we saw in chapter 1 is that Paul the Apostle maintained joy despite his circumstances, and the circumstances of Paul were not good at that time. He was in prison, and we, we made mention he was under house arrest, uh, and uh, by house arrest he was, uh, he was in home, but it wasn't like house arrest of our day. He would have been chained to a soldier and uh, not able to leave the home, but he was allowed to have others come to him in that home. And so he was in prison. He was facing criticism. Uh, Paul had been very successful. The Lord had blessed him and used him, but uh, as a result, he had his enemies. He had those that were jealous, those that were envious of him, and he faced that criticism, but he did so with a joyful spirit. Uh, there was uncertainty. Paul said, I don't know whether I'm going to live or whether I'm going to die. And he said, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he said, I've, I've learned whatever uh, I path, path I take, whatever path the Lord takes me down, uh, I know that God's in control and I can have joy despite the uncertainty of life. And so that's chapter one. That's kind of the focus and one of the great robbers of joy, circumstances. Now we move to chapter two and chapter two kind of deals with the thought of maintaining joy through difficult relationships. And another major robber of joy is broken relationships, difficult relationships. Every one of you can attest to the fact there have been points or times in your life where there was a relationship that was a little difficult. And in that relationship, if you didn't handle it right or biblically, it would rob the joy from your heart and from your life. And that's one of the great difficulties in maintaining our joy. And uh, aren't you thankful that God puts people into our life? And uh, sometimes I think the Lord has a sense of humor. And uh, the people that he puts into our life, uh, he puts into our life sometimes testing us and trying us. And he's going to put people into our life that will bring about uh, these difficulties. And if we handle it wrong, it'll rob our joy. Now, Paul shares here in the Philippians, or with the Philippians, or in this book of Philippians, he shares with some principles uh, maintaining joy, not allowing people or relationships to steal that joy. So I believe here tonight God is concerned about our relationships. And I said we're going to take just a little bit of time. Uh, we're going to have kind of a series within a series as we, as we look at relationships and uh, just look at some biblical principles in relationships and hopefully this will help you in your home it'll help you in your marriage it'll help you with your children uh, help you in church it's going to help you at work it's going to be uh, of a blessing to you and all the relationships of your life and God's concerned now I want you to look back Philippians chapter 1 verse number 27 we have here the context uh, of this letter it's a letter to a local church the church at Philippi Paul said in the first part of chapter 1 he thanks God upon every remembrance of them but in verse number 27, Philippians chapter 1, he's writing to this church. He says, only let your conversation, that's your manner of life, uh, that's your testimony. 
He says, let your conversation be as it become of the gospel of Christ. You belong to the Lord Jesus. Let your life represent Christ. And your citizenship is in heaven. He says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. But notice what Paul says, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so he's applying that to the local church and the importance of that mind, that spirit together in this local church, heading the same direction, having a common purpose, having a common goal, and that would be for the uh, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I believe there's not only the, the statement there to a local church, but this has application. It has application to the home, has application to the workforce. There's application in your relationships, all of your relationships. Now we come to chapter 2, and in chapter 2, you'll see the importance of this one mind. Look in verse number 2. Uh, Paul said, fulfill you my joy, okay, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. And now this is not talking about robbing or thieving. It's not talking about appropriating another's uh, personal possessions for your purpose. Uh, but what he's talking about, look not every man on his own things. In other words, not selfishly, introvertedly, but every man also on the things of others. We're to be burdened and concerned for others. And then we have the illustration of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. It's the mind of Christ. We're going to have peace in our relationships. We're going to have to have the mind of Christ. And I believe here tonight a key to maintaining joy in our relationships is applying the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ in church, in your home, uh, children, to watch your parents and if you have the mind of Christ at the workforce, it's going to make an impact in your relationships. So I want to break the, the mind of Christ down here and uh, just kind of look, what is Paul talking about? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What's he talking about? So as I look at the, the passage of Scripture, I believe that the mind of Christ is a mind of humility. It's a mind of humility. Again, verse number 3, chapter 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. In other words, pride, exalting yourself. But in lowliness of mind, this is humility of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He's talking about lowliness of mind, humility of mind. Not thinking of yourself more highly then you ought to think of yourself, not exalting yourself. Uh, verse 4 is very clear, putting others before self. Now the book of Proverbs, I, I want to just take a uh, maybe a little journey for a moment back to the book of Proverbs, and so keep your place in Philippians. But uh, if you go with me to Proverbs, and I want you to see just a little uh, few common sense principles that are related about relationships and, and pride. Notice in Proverbs chapter 29. We'll start there. Proverbs chapter 29. Interesting statement is made. Proverbs 29, uh, verse number 
23, uh, we read, A man's pride shall bring him low, but he says, Honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You'll find that was the mind of Christ. Uh, it was a mind of humility. And it says, Wherefore God also hath exalted him. And that's what the Bible is expressing. Honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Uh, go back to Proverbs chapter 13. And here's such a key statement uh, as we talk about relationships. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 10. The statement is this. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. It's very clear that you know, when you see contention, you can find that at the heart of that contention, there's some pride somewhere. When you've got a, a difficult relationship in home, uh, there's some pride that's coming out in that relationship. When husbands and wives, uh, uh, you're striving, there's some pride that's involved in that. And in the local church, whenever uh, there is strife, there's pride that's at the heart of that uh, strife. And so only by pride cometh contention. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 3, Proverbs 14 verse number 3, we read in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. And how often in pride do we say things that we ought not to say. We exalt ourselves in that pride and we put others down in that pride. The mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. But notice the statement, the lips of the wise shall preserve them. And we move forward to Proverbs 15 and verse number 33. Uh, we read, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, but before honor, and before honor is humility. And uh, so many other verses we could look at in the book of Proverbs, but it's evident here that the Bible is dealing with this issue of pride. And this issue of pride is an issue that all of us uh, have, and we all have to uh, deal with ourselves. The Bible says, humble yourselves, and there's a choice, there's a, a, uh, a submission that comes in humility and uh, making that choice of humility. And so if we're going to have uh, the mind of Christ, it's got to be a mind of humility, and that mind of humility will bless and help in our relationships. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, this is also dealt with in verses 5 and 6, and it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. And we are exhorted, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so if we would look at that spirit of humility, I'm thoroughly convinced in comparing this to Proverbs, what God says in 1 Peter, uh, what God deals with us here in the mind of Christ in Philippians, that a spirit of humility would help solve many of our relationship issues. And that spirit of humility, it, it doesn't always have to be my way. I am to think of others before self. A spirit of humility would be a willingness to admit my own wrong. A spirit of humility would be when I bring my gift to the altar and there remember my brother has aught against me. I'm to leave that gift at the altar, go my way and first be reconciled to my brother. That would be a spirit of humility. A spirit of humility would be a willingness to forgive when I am wronged. It would be what Ephesians chapter 4 exhorts us, that as Christ has forgiven us, so we are to forgive others. As Christ forgave me, uh, he put it in the past. Isn't that a blessing? 
Aren't you thankful with Christ's forgiveness when you've brought your sin under the blood? He doesn't keep bringing it back up before you. He doesn't bring up that past again, that spirit of humility, that mind of Christ. As the Lord says, as far as the east is from the west so far, hath he removed our transgressions from us. And aren't you grateful that the Lord, he doesn't hold it over us, does he? No, he put it under the blood. He put it as deep as the depths of the sea. And uh, that's the forgiveness of the Lord under the clouds. And the depths are, are the, uh, the cloud, covered it with his clouds. And according to the book of, of uh, Isaiah, uh, he didn't refuse to have a relationship with me. Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, that spirit of humility, when I brought my sin under the blood, uh, uh, the Lord is willing to have a relationship with me and uh, puts my sin there and opens the door and invites me boldly to come to the throne of grace. So that's the mind of Christ. I'll go back to Philippians, and in Philippians, the Lord illustrates this for us, this mind of humility. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, uh, it reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But here's that spirit of humility. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now that's a very clear verse that would show us the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is God. He's the creator. He's almighty. He's worthy of the highest honor. Uh, he is worthy that we would bow before him. He's worthy that we would exalt him. But consider what he did. Uh, though God, he did not exalt himself. Uh, though God, he came and put others before himself. And though God, he took a low position. And though God, he was born into this world and left the glory of heaven. And though God uh, came not to, to be born in a king's home, but was laid in a manger. And though God, he would have been considered by many to have come from an illegitimate birth. And so we find that humility, that mind of humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says he made himself of no reputation. He did not put his reputation at the forefront. He put others at the forefront. And he says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now the world thinks that the way to greatness is to exalt self. And to promote self. And to glorify self and to serve self. That's the way to greatness in the eyes of the world. But God says the way to greatness is to die to self and take up your cross daily and follow Him. And the principle set forth here in Philippians chapter 2, it should be Christ first, others second, and self last. And that's the path that would lead uh, to humility to the mind of Christ and this path of humility can lead to joy in our relationships. Now there are some things in the Bible that humanly speaking they don't make make any sense at all. It really it, it's just principles that it goes contrary to all of our flesh. It goes contrary to us uh, but the mind of Christ is contrary to flesh. It's dying to self. It's uh, putting again God first, others second, self last. The mind of Christ, it's a mind of humility. Now look again, verse 7, Philippians 2. I think we can also express that the mind of Christ, uh, very similarly, is a mind of, of servitude. Uh, it reads, made himself 
of no reputation, but here's the statement, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Of course, Jesus is God, worthy of worship, worthy of our service, and yet he came as a servant. We've just uh, finished uh, preaching through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, I think the I think really the, the theme of Mark is the servanthood of Jesus Christ. I want you to go with me uh, for just a moment, Mark chapter 10. This is so clear. And I think this is kind of really the theme of Mark and the life of Jesus Christ, Mark chapter 10. In the context here of Mark chapter 10, the disciples are having an argument. Uh, James and John, they have... Uh, through their mother, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for the highest positions in his kingdom, that one might sit at his right hand, the other at his left hand in his kingdom. And uh, the 10, verse 41, Mark 10, heard about that. They heard, and they began to be much displeased with James and John. So we've got amongst the disciples some conflict that's taking place. And Jesus dealt with that conflict. He called them to him. And he saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. He says, But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many." Jesus illustrated that and he exemplified that in their lives. And in John 13, he washed their feet. And we read many times that Jesus fed them. He fed them physically. He fed them spiritually. He taught them, ministered to them. He was their minister. He died for them. He died for us. He served them. He served us. He was a servant to his father first and foremost. And then he was a servant to us. And that's the calling for each of us. That's the mind of Christ. And that mind of servanthood is a mind that would help in our relationships and maintaining joy. Now, as I look at this, we're to be, first of all, of course, a servant to Christ. Uh, go back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Look at the very first verse. See, the Lord calls each of us to be servants. But here's what Paul said, Philippians 1, verse number 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of Christ which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So here's that servanthood. Paul was always mindful of this fact. He had been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Uh, he would never forget that day on the road to Damascus when his life was changed. He would recognize, I'm not my own. I don't belong to myself. I've been bought by a price. I belong not to me, but I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's the heart for each of us. We don't belong to self. We have been purchased. And therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit. And they're God's. We don't belong to ourselves. It's not our choice to mark up our bodies and not our choice to defile our bodies. We belong to Jesus Christ and we're to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're servants of the Lord. Uh, but I, I believe as we look at this thought of servanthood, it starts with service to the Lord, but we should be a servant to the church. And here Paul loved the church at Philippi. He served that church. As you look at Philippians chapter 2, 
It becomes very clear. And then we look of, of Timothy. Look in Philippians 2, verse number 19. Philippians 2, verse number 19. Uh, Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be a good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care. Uh, he's talking about serving uh, your, uh, for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are, Christ, are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. And him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how will go with me. And here's uh, Timothy being sent to this church to serve that church in the stead of Paul, uh, the heart of a servant and a servant to the church. And, and then there's Epaphroditus. I kind of think Epaphroditus might have been the senior pastor of this church at Philippi that uh, left uh, Philippi, went to minister to Paul in the Roman prison. And uh, Epaphroditus, look in verse 25. He said, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all, was full of heaviness because that you had heard he had been sick. And verse number 28, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye shall see him again, you may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ, he was nigh to death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. And so he's giving Epaphroditus as this illustration and this example of being a servant in the church. Now, I want you, and I think this is so clearly set forth, go to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And we often quote to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And this is talking about our surrender uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. But then as we move on in the next verses, our service is to Christ, but that service to Christ should then go and be focused in the local church. He said, I say in verse 3, Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. And now of the church as many members, we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And he talks about these seven, I believe, motivations motivational gifts and every one of us have been gifted by God's spirit and a capacity and we are to use those gifts that God has given us in the service to our local church and that becomes evident in the next verses that are set forth and so Paul's talking about being a servant to the Lord a servant to the church but I believe we ought to be a servant in our homes go to Ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians chapter 5 we call this the blueprint for a godly home. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse number 21 in this context of the blueprint for a godly home uh, relates to us submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so that mind of humility then why, uh, verse 25 or 2 wives Submit yourselves to your own husbands. We are servants. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church 
gave himself for it. He served the church, and husbands, we serve our family. Verse uh, Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And that's that heart of humility, that heart of service. And verse 4, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture, admonition of the Lord. And we're looking at this context of serving within the home. Uh, look in chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 5. It speaks of a servant to our authorities. He says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear, trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, not to men. He's talking about serving those that God has placed over us and being a servant in the workforce. And uh, You know, you'll read about David. Before he became king, he kept his father's sheep. He was a servant uh, to his father, a servant in the home. Uh, you read of Joshua. Before God exalted Joshua, he was a servant to Moses. And Joseph became a servant not only to his father, but then to Potiphar and then later to the jailer, and then later to Pharaoh, and then to the people of God. Daniel was a servant, and you'll see the heart of Daniel, the heart of a servant. A servant to others, that's God's principle. You see, in God's eyes, the great ones are the servants. I often think back to uh, the Christian school that uh, we were a part of in Oklahoma, and I think back to going and taking our school body to uh, ACE regionals, and I still remember the coordinator, the guy that was over it all, the guy that was ramrodding it, and I had the opportunity to spend just a little bit of time with him. And one of the things here, uh, it just impressed me. Here was this man that was in charge of it all, but as he's in charge of it all, he was a servant in his heart of humility and his heart of servanthood. Uh, just came forth in that experience, and I learned so much from him. See, that's the type of mindset that will resolve a lot of relationships and issues. Help us to maintain joy uh, through a heart of being a servant. The mind of Christ, a heart, a mind of servanthood. Now look in Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verse number 8. And a very similar path, but let me expand upon it. The mind of Christ was a mind of submission. It's hard for us to do, uh, to be submissive. But look at the mind of Christ in verse number 8. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became, notice the statement here, obedient unto death, even the death, of the cross, obedient unto death, submitted to his Father's will. As you read through the Word of God, Jesus did always that which pleased his Father. He was in complete, total subjection to his Heavenly Father. That becomes so clear. I want to just examine a few scriptures. Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter 3. This was the baptism of Christ. And in Matthew chapter 3, uh, the Lord Jesus made his way to John the Baptist. We read in verse 13, Matthew 3, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee, 
to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him. But notice verse 17, Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There was the Lord Jesus Christ being obedient to his heavenly Father, taking this step of baptism, this step in obedience to his Father. And really this was the beginning of his public ministry. Uh, we read then in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. In verse number 1, we know this is the transfiguration. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. He was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses, Elias, talking with him. Then answered Peter, said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, notice this statement here, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. See, Jesus did always that which pleased his Father. He lived in total obedience to his heavenly Father. In John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse number 34, John 4, verse 34, uh, this experience took place uh, when Jesus met with the woman at the well. And in verse number 34, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. My meat, my desire, my fulfillment is life, in life is to be submissive to the will of my heavenly Father. In John chapter 17, again a similar thought, John 17, verse number 4. In John 17, verse number 4, Jesus made the statement this night before his crucifixion. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. See, he was totally obedient to his heavenly Father. Always did that which honored his Father. Always pleased his Father. He was in complete submission to that heavenly Father. And that obedience culminated in the cross. And remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before the crucifixion, as Jesus sweated, as it were, drops of blood. And you remember there in the garden he prayed, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He was taken that night, arrested that night, taken the next day to the cross where he was crucified, as Philippians says, obedient unto death. And the father was well pleased with the sacrifice of his son. The Lord cried, it is finished, it's done, it's paid. And now we know because of that obedience, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was that submissive spirit that brought the exaltation. It was the mind of humility, the mind of servanthood, the mind of submission, uh, the way down that brought Jesus up to the position of being exalted. 
let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's a submissive mind. As we read in 1 Peter, submitting yourselves one to another in Ephesians in the fear of the Lord. That was the mind of Joshua. In serving Moses, he was submitted to the leadership of Moses. Joshua was a great leader. But you'll find before a man becomes a leader, he must be a good follower. I find this with young people. They'll never be a great leader until they've learned to submit to parents within the home. It's that mind of humility, that mind of submission. Uh, Joseph, uh, before Joseph was exalted to that position of leadership in Egypt, Joseph was a servant to his father. He was submissive to his father, obedient. You can read that in Genesis 37. Uh, He was then submissive and obedient to Potiphar. And then he was submissive and obedient, and it was very clear that the Lord was with Joseph. He never got bitter despite the circumstances that he faced. He was a servant in those positions where God placed him, and then God exalted him. One of my favorites is that of Daniel, and Daniel was strong in faith. He was strong in doctrine, but Daniel had such a submissive spirit as you read the spirit. And, and it's so hard to combine that, that uh, you know, to be strong, but to be submissive. And, and that's what Daniel put together in, in just perfect. And he had an excellent spirit in him. As he served those that were over him, he served also those that were under him. Now, let's go to uh, 1 Peter for just a moment here and and a couple of thoughts. Peter speaks a lot about this submissive mind. It's something that our flesh struggles with, Uh, something that every one of us, we have to battle with, this submissive mind, this submissive spirit. Uh, 1 Peter, let's pick up here in verse chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and... uh, Let's begin in verse number 18, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 18. Notice the statement, servants, be subject, submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. That was really Daniel. Daniel served uh, some wicked kings, and yet because of his mind of servicehood and humility, he was able to have a great impact upon those kings. He says in verse 19, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Uh, Look in chapter 3, verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, or that's the manner of life of the wife. And I've seen occasions where a wife had this mind of submission And uh, God used that, and uh, because of the testimony of the wife, the husband came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what he speaks of. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price." He says, for after this manner in old time, the holy women also with trust in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters. And you read the life of Abraham. Abraham was not always right. In fact, Abraham made some very serious mistakes. But you read the heart of subjection of Sarah. And God blessed, but husbands, God speaks to you. Verse 7, likewise, 
In the same manner, you husbands, dwell with them, that's with your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That's the mind of service, the mind of submission and uh, serving one another. Uh, Look in chapter 3, verse number 8. He says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion. He's talking to a church, one of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye thereunto were called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And then we quoted a moment ago, First Peter chapter 5. Go forward to there, verse number 5. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. That's something that we have gotten away from so much in our society. And, and let me just say to young people, um, you ought to honor your elders. I can remember just as a little boy, my father would emphasize that over and over and over to me. And uh, I still, uh, still I, I remember as a boy growing up, uh, I, I would see an elder, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. And I was taught uh, to honor, to respect those that were somewhat older and uh, just to honor their position and their place. And I think there's a principle here of submission. We understand, you know, God has given some wisdom to those that have gone before us. And he's given some wisdom. And young people, you will understand this one day. Uh, Your parents know some things that you don't know. And your parents have been through some things that you've never been through. And your parents have fought some battles that you've never fought. And uh, you'd be a lot better off to learn from their mistakes than you would be to make your own mistakes. And so learn uh, from those that God has put over you in a position having a submissive spirit. In chapter 5 or and verse number 5, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. We're servants, be clothed with humility. God resisteth the proud. He giveth grace to the humble. See, the key is being subject unto God, as was Paul, servant to the Lord, being subject unto God, as was the Lord Jesus Christ, obedient to the Lord. Look in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, that's the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's contrary to what our flesh tells us. It's not what we like, but it really is the path to successful relationships. We're going to build uh, upon this and I I think we're going to give just some very practical things that are going to help you in your home, going to help you at work, and going to help you in your relationships one with another as we look in the Bible at what the Bible says. Uh, It starts here tonight with this mind of Christ. It's a mind of humility. Humble yourselves. It's a mind of servanthood. As Christ came to minister, it's a mind of submission and learning that attitude of submissive spirit as Daniel, as Joshua, as these men that God used in a great way. Let's bow our heads tonight.